You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. Free agency is winding down, so I don't have to check my phone every two seconds. Yeah. How about you? Uh, dude, the exact same thing. I think that first Friday, I was literally up until like 1.30 or 2 with just like my head buried in my phone, like waiting yeah. for the next Shams or Woj bomb. Uh, it was it was pretty ridiculous. But uh, free agency, I mean, we're, we're still you know, kind of in it, but it's, um, you know, the, the majority of the big deals, I'm sure there's a couple restricted free agent ones that are still kind of hanging out there. We um, know where Ingram's going. We know where AD's going back. It is a little yeah. interesting to me that AD is still not signed. Maybe it's not. Maybe people don't think it's a big deal at all. I do think it's a little interesting, but um, I think they're just working on like the bonuses probably and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. The, the finer, uh, details. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we're back on our hoops pod and as always, we are discussing different NBA teams, uh, franchises, anyone that's been listening to the pod knows that we've been doing our NBA A through Z series. We have a couple of teams left and we're really trying hard to finish all of them before the start of the 2020, 2021 season. And we are very pumped to be talking Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. To help us break down uh, the number one overall draft pick, Anthony Edwards, amidst um, a couple of other transactions and the season outlook, we are very, very pumped to have former USA Today writer, Kyle Ratke. Kyle, what's going on, man? How you doing? Welcome to the podcast. I'm good, and, and thanks for having me. It's funny, you guys were talking about um, like just like free agency going crazy, and it has been just a whirlwind. I'll never forget, it was last year at Summer League, which seems like a million years ago, given oh, everything that's going on. But I was at Summer League, and I think I landed like July 3rd, and um, one of my buddies was there. And he was like, man, uh, you know, we're looking at NBA bets, and obviously I, I can't make any, but he's like, man, the Nuggets at 14 to 1 or 17 to 1 or whatever looks like a good bet. And I was like, totally. And this is before any moves were made, right? And literally like that night I woke up at like 2 a.m. and I think he might have placed the bet and Kawhi signed with the Clippers and their odds went from like 27 to one to like four to one. And obviously like 
weirdly, the Nuggets ended up doing better than the Clippers. But it's just like, that's like my favorite story ever. Is I wake up at 3 a.m. and I check my phone or in Vegas, you're just up at 3 a.m., I guess. And I texted him and I was like, no, like your odds. Like you could have got such better odds if we just would have known where Kawhi was going. But uh, yeah, for agency, it's crazy. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty wild. I think everybody is uh, paying a little bit closer to attention as some states kind of like loosen the restrictions on online betting and whatnot. Um, like I know Chip knows a lot more about that than I do, but even we've tried to kind of, you know, have some some a little bit of like a betting odds focus on the podcast here and there. Uh, but if you hit that one bet, I mean, it can be pretty awesome and amazing for sure. Um, as we kind of transition into the Timberwolves, there's been a lot that's happened uh, recently. I think the best place to start is the draft. Uh, after winning the lottery, and you know, I, I think I don't know that everyone will feel like there was a consensus number one pick, but I do think that once the Wolves got the number one pick, uh, with the fact that they had already traded for. D'Angelo Russell. I think most people felt like they would probably go Anthony Edwards, uh, but I think overall they had a pretty good draft night. Uh, you know, picking Jaden McDaniels, trading for Leandro Balmaro. Um, I guess to, I want to start with Edwards a little first. So, how much did you see of him in college? Did you like the pick? Uh, and obviously, what do you think about McDaniels and uh, Balmaro as well? Yeah, I mean, like. You kind of alluded to this, but like this was such a weird draft because like and growing up in Minnesota, it's like the most Timberwolvesy thing to happen is you get the number one pick in a draft where there's like not a number one guy. Um, but I mean, like Edwards, I, I didn't see much of him at Georgia, but after the season, I, I watched quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where. Was he as, as efficient as you would have liked? No. And then a lot of people say, well, if he had better teammates, he would have been more efficient. He wouldn't have taken such bad shots. And it's like, okay, like, okay, I guess. Right. But um, the thing is when it comes to seeing like the, the ceiling and the floor, it seems to me like a, a, among those top guys that he probably has the highest floor. And I don't know how high his ceiling is like, like Wiseman and ball probably maybe a little bit higher, but he's already NBA ready with, with, with his body. Um, you know, like he, he'll fit in pretty well with the Timberwolves, you know, even if he can't consistently hit a three point shot, cause you have Russell and, and you have cat that can stretch the floor and, and they brought back Beasley as well. And, um, and, and he'll be able to drive. So like you, you feel optimistic about that. So, um, you know, I would have preferred if, if they would have traded down, if you could have traded down to three and if there had been some sort of sweeps, sweepstakes for Wiseman, um, you know, if you could have got like Miles Bridges and PJ Washington plus the third, like that would have been ideal because even now they still have a huge hole at power forward. Um, but, you know, but if you think that Edwards is the top consensus guy on your board, you just take the guy, um, you know, and, and you run with it. Cause as we've seen throughout the, the Timberwolves fans, especially like when they drafted Derek Williams, who was like the consensus too. Um, like those guys don't always work out. Um, you know, and, and the rest of the draft I thought was very, very good with, with McDaniels. Um, you're getting a position of need and he probably won't be able to play right away, but, uh, you know, and we'll probably touch on this a little bit later, but that Rubio deal was like such a steal to me to be able to get, basically yeah. you went down 11 picks to get the rights to Rubio. Um, like that's nuts to me, um, you know, and, and whether Balmero plays this year or next, um, you're still getting a smart player. Um, it, it seems like every, 
Um, you know, especially with Rosas, because, you know, his whole thing with the Timberwolves has been diversity, 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 and all of his scouts, um, you know, they are across the globe. And I think that's what he wants to bring to the Timberwolves where you're getting a diverse unit of basketball players. Um, so I, th- I think that certainly helps, but, uh, overall, I mean, if you're a Timberwolves fan on draft night, you feel like 30 times better, I think, than you probably did going in. Yeah, I think... Um, and I th- how do you like his fit with... Oh, sorry, Jeff. No, 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 no Chip, Chip, that's my bad. That's my bad, man. No, go, talk. no, 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 go ahead. All right, ahead. all right. So I, the the Rubio signing uh, is definitely where I wanted to go next, for sure. Uh, I know Chip wants to discuss that, too. Uh, so, interestingly enough, I, I really like the Rubio signing, and I like specifically his fit with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Um, and I, I even think it can fit somewhat too with, uh, D'Lo as an, as a more off ball guard. But I think as, as we see that team develop, I think the Rubio signing is better for the team, but I do think there's potential for some pitfalls between, um, how, how it, how it forces D'Lo to play and, and what that looks like in their offense. I guess specifically what I'm trying to say is I think Rubio could end up being the primary initiator and, and ball handler for this team, and I think that might actually be what's better for the Timberwolves. Uh, but but how that affects the dominoes of Anthony Edwards being the number one pick, probably at the two. Um, D'Lo, who you, you got a lot of money uh, invested in, and they obviously re-signed Beasley as well to a four-year deal. So, like, how do you see all of that playing out? Because to me, that's, like, super fascinating of a, of a Timberwolves storyline as we kind of get into the season. Yeah, I mean, like, we'll backtrack to the move first. Like, to get rid of James Johnson and, and 11 picks to get Rubio, like, again, I don't know what Oklahoma City could have gotten more. And it's almost one of those things where Rubio, and, like, this happens all the time. I think it's it's happened with Horford. Al Horford's a good example where a guy goes from, like, overrated and then they don't get any respect and they're underrated. And like, I think Rubio is probably in the, on the downslide where I think like he's just extremely underrated. Um, so it's interesting because I, I tend to think that Rubio is going to be used off the bench. Um, like I, I Dane Moore, who, who does a really good job of covering the wolves. He's convinced otherwise he thinks that Rubio and Russell are going to play alongside each other. Um, and I've kind of talked to him about that where I just, I just don't think Russell's a good enough defender for that to be possible and Rubio's not a big enough defender. Um, I mean, he is b- bigger for a point guard at 6'4", but, like, you, you can't have Rubio out there guarding shooting guards, and then Russell is such a bad defender the way it is. I don't think it would ever work out. Um, but I do think they'll play together at times. And, um, I mean, that's a good question because this team has like a million shooting guards. Right. Now and, or, you know, just players that play out on the perimeter. And um, – that's where I, I kind of thought like the Beasley situation and I, I thought his contract was just way too big. Um, but apparently like, if you look at some of these contracts in the league right now, like I thought the league was supposed to be losing money this year and next and teams are like, it's like, like they didn't get the memo and obviously they know way more than I do um, about anything. But uh, I just thought that contract for given the legal situation that he's in was just like, just ridiculous. And, and the depth that you have at the position, um, but an interesting thing with all the guards that they signed, um, they, they did something that I didn't know if, if they would do, and that's where they they gave up on Jarrett Culver. It, it seems like uh, they traded up for him last year with with that, and, and it's it's kind of you know if if there's one loss in Gerson Rosas's resume right now, it's that 
the reason they traded Dario last year is because they thought he'd be too expensive to retain this year. Um, so they trade from 11 to six and they wanted to get Darius Garland with the pick and Garland went surprisingly the pick before to Cleveland where, you know, they already had Sexton. So the Timberwolves are like shocked and surprised. So they just take Culver, a guy that they hadn't even worked out. Um, and then wow. a year later and like Jared's a good kid. Like he's, you know, I've talked to him a number of times. Like he's a really good guy and he's going to be a fine player. He's not going to be the player that you trade up for. Um, you know, and then Dario just signs a three-year, $27 million deal, super affordable. Um, and, you know, and you look at the guys that were available at 11, even if you took uh, Cam Johnson, but Tyler Harrow, um, Brandon Clark, like there's a lot of guys. So if there's one like loss that you look at, it's like, okay. But I will say it is promising that because a lot of other teams, if they pick a player in the top five or six or 10, you stick by that player for two or three years and you don't see a lot of teams admit their mistakes. And it seems that they're just kind of doubling down on, um, you know, like maybe he's not the guy. So we're just going to get all the guys to see who is, um, you know, that kills his trade value because he's, he's not going to get any playing time, but um, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see like, is Josh or Kogi going to play power forward? Um, like it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where all these pieces fit. Cause I don't, I have no idea. Yeah, Rosas came over from Houston, and he seems to be kind of adopting some of Maury's uh, philosophies. And one of those is, like, uh, add as much talent as you can and worry about fit later. And that goes to with the Edwards draft pick. Like I, I, So I wanted you to talk about what you think of the D'Lo-Edwards fit because they kind of went all in on D'Lo and Cat last year. They traded Wiggins, which – was rumored for a long time and they added a first round pick too. So just, I wanted your thoughts on the D'Lo trade. First of all, what you thought of getting D'Lo in the first place and also the D'Lo fit long-term with Cat and now with Edwards. Yeah. Um, the, the trade at the beginning, I mean, the, like no matter how you look at that trade, it, it made sense so much for the Timberwolves because you know, like, again, I know Andrew and like, he was a good guy, but it just like, wasn't going to work out. And I don't know if it will in golden state, like you hope it does. Um, but like, it just wasn't like whether the expectations were too high, um, you know, and in fairness to him, he went through like a million coaches. Like I think he had flip and then, um, Sam Mitchell and that, you know, like it's, it's tough for any player like that. So like the trade at the time was, was a no brainer to me. And unfortunately they lose their next year pick, which if golden state makes a play or uh, if Minnesota makes a run of the playoffs, it won't look as bad. But um, the fit with cat is interesting because the whole thing is made of like guys being really good friends and they can play together and they want to play together and blah, blah, blah. And like, what, like, are they that great of friends? I, I guess I don't know. Um, I know they can't defend anybody. So that's like, how's that going to work? But like, it always reminds me of, um, like you go away to college and it's like your best friend from high school, you like end up being his roommate. And then within six months you hate each other. And like, I just want, like, I always wonder with these basketball situations where these guys are like best friends off the court and then they, they go to the same team and they realize like, okay, maybe this isn't going to work out. Um, Harden so, and Westbrook just learned that. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it feels like nobody can get along with James. Yeah. Harden. Um, but like, yeah. So, and, and for the Timberwolves where you're, you're a franchise where you're not able to get stars in a traditional sense, like that's kind of how you need to do it, in, in, you know, in a, in a trade like that. Now, um, you know, 
what, what's interesting here is like you look at the trade the Wolves made and you you get Coving or they, they traded Covington last year and you you know you look at if you knew you were going to get the number one pick and you knew you were going to get Anthony Edwards like do you make that trade or do you try to keep Covington because it seems to me like I would rather probably have Covington than Beasley and Hernan Gomez to be to be quite honest because it, it seems to fit um, the, the team a little bit better but. Um, you know, the, the, the Timberwolves and like a lot of other small market teams, you're in such a weird position because Carl and D'Angelo are on, they have three years left, which seems like a very long time. But like, as you guys know, that is not a long time. Right. All of a sudden, like this year in a shortened year, if you don't make the playoffs, then they have two years and then the, the rumors start. And I was here when Ke- the Kevin Love rumors were, he was like three years, like he was right after he signed that deal where David Kahn didn't give him the max. And like, it was like trade rumors within a week. And talking about how he wasn't going to resign after the four years. And it's like, wait, we have like a half a decade. Like, why are we in a rush? But that's just how the league is. So if all of a sudden you don't make the playoffs next year and you disappoint um, in in 2021, 2022, both those guys are gone. And you're in a full rebuild again. And that's something that this team can't have. So you need to have that win now help. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like it, it, you just try to acquire as much talent as you can and, you're right. It's like you get as much talent and then you try to figure out the rest later and see where it fits. So follow up on cat. What, what's the take on fans there? Like, because from the outside looking in, it looks like, you know, the T-Wolves kind of, they brought in his buddy to placate him and seemed like he was upset. And so how do they feel about him as the face of their franchise going forward, given some of the things that have happened there? Yeah. I mean, I would say a lot of that is probably overblown. Like I don't think Carl's super unhappy. And if you look at what, what the Timberwolves have done to appease cat, like, I mean, I don't know what else they would want him to do. And, um, you know, Carl's certainly a top 10, top 15 talent in the league. Now, whether you want to make the argument that he's a top 10 or 15 player, um, you know, I think it's probably just the opposite, right. For a guy like Jimmy Butler, where he's maybe not a top 15 talent, but he's certainly a top, top 10 top 12 player um you know and in fairness to the Timberwolves like and the fans with Carl it's not like he's done anything to to help the team win and I've never been like a huge empty stats guy um but I mean like he's not leading the team to win like like other superstars during the league are and you can you know discuss why that is or whatever but um if, if, if he stays healthy and the team's able to stay healthy and they're not able to get into the top 10 or top eight, uh, nine or eight, and at least get into that play in tournament this year. I mean, that that's on Carl. I would think, um, you can't have the argument that somebody's a top 15 or 20 player if they can't lead a team to the playoffs. Um, in my mind. And I, I think Carl's a, a good person. And like I said, I, I think a lot of that is just overblown because I think, um, I, you know, media and, um, all, all you big timers in New York, you guys just, you guys, <laughs> you, you, but, but, you know, you, you see a small market team and I, and I think that media members see an opportunity with a star and you go, okay, he's not happy there. Cause why would he be? It's Minnesota. Um, okay. Let's, you know, wh- where's he going to go? And um, I don't know how realistic that actually is now in a year. It's, it might be totally different. Yeah. I think it's the perception is he didn't get along with Jimmy Butler. Uh, he didn't get along with Tibbs and they hired Ryan Saunders because he liked Ryan Saunders. That's, I mean, that's what it seemed like from the outside looking in. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, um, 
you know, and, and the thing is, I, I think a lot of uh, Wolves fans actually might have turned a little bit on Carl in the last month or two when they when they saw Jim. And Carl's had a tough offseason, obviously. You know, he, he lost his mom. So um, on a personal level, like you, you, you really feel for him. But as a player, um, like I think like Jimmy Butler proved Jimmy Butler right. <laughs> right. Like, leading that team to the, the finals and whether or not you like him or you think he's um, an a-hole, which like I was around Jimmy and like, he's, he was tough to, he was tough to be around sometimes, yeah. but like, I, I think we all know somebody in our life that has a personality like Jimmy and like, chances are they're successful. They just kind of will themselves and they don't care if they're liked and um, you know, and that's fine. And and like there were, there was a lot of guys in Minnesota who did like Jimmy um, Tyus Jones being one of them. So, um, you know, I, I think wh- whether or not a 22 year old or 23 year old, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns dink it along with Jimmy. I think it probably says more about them than it actually says about Jimmy. Mm. Um, Kyle, one thing I wanted to ask you, and it kind of dovetails a little bit with the the cat conversation. Uh, the Timberwolves were top five in the league in blocks and steals, but their defense uh, is is obviously a sore spot. Um, how much of that actually does have to do with Carl Anthony Towns? Like we've Chip and I have spoken to a bunch of different writers on the podcast and um, you know most people will agree that having a big that is not a rim protector um, and and really can't be the anchor of your defense is worse than having a lead guard that is you know kind of a turnstile Um, do you think that you know is it a scheme from a Ryan Saunders issue just players buying in um or do you feel like the majority of it is really that that cat has not necessarily taken that onus on himself to to be the anchor of that defense yeah i think it's probably more on cat which is like it's so frustrating for a timberwolves fan because when he came out of kentucky that was like supposed to be his thing we didn't know about his offensive game but like defense was what he's going to give you and it turned out to be just the opposite i guarantee you guys watch the first 10 games this year Carl's going to be really good on defense and like there's going to be articles about it. And cause it happens every year I've been there. I mean, like I covered the team for, you know, seven, the last seven years and the last, you know, since 2015, every year he starts out and he's energetic on defense and all of a sudden by game 12 or 13, he, he gets lackadaisical and um, he does the, the Kevin love thing where, he, he thinks he gets a foul and then, then he sits there and, and like asks the ref and it's like, you have to run back. And um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think if you don't have a, a good defender, who's a big man, I think your team's in a lot of trouble because um, you know, you lose everything because it okay, let's say they get back, they get by Russell, right? Okay. Well, you know, it's either go for the layup or try to kick it out. Well, Carl often finds himself in no man's land where the guy can literally do both. He can go up for the layup or he can kick it out because Carl's just kind of standing there. So, um, yeah, you, you hope that he just tries because that's that's been the thing in the NBA, right? It's like most guys can be good defenders if they want to. Um, you know, same with like, like – look at a guy like Ricky Rubio who's not super athletic, but he's just smart and he understands how to play team defense. So, um yeah, I guarantee you at the beginning of this year, we'll read a story um, probably from John Krasinski in The Athletic about, <laughs> about how Carl's like changed his ways. And then by game 25, you'll be like, okay, what what happened to that Carl? So hopefully he can do it. And honestly, if you're playing meaningful games, I think that that changes too. Um, I think if you know you're playing meaningful games in 
February and March, your attitude towards how you play defense probably changes too. All right. And um, we one... saw that with Jokic in Denver too, Nikola Jokic. Yep. I mean, he's obviously not a rim protector too. And they brought in Paul Millsap, which was obviously a move to help him out defensively. Do you think that's something that could help out Cat too, having a vet come in? Yeah, but I, I just don't think the Wolves have any money right now. Like unless they make a right. tr- like a, some sort of sign and trade, because I think when, when they signed it, when they signed Hernan Gomez and, and they got um, they did get Ed Davis, um, you know, and like I wonder how much th- those guys can really play together. Like who's going to guard a you know perimeter player like like a Paul Millsap could? Because um, you know like Hernan Gomez, his strengths and weaknesses are the same as Carl's. Like they can stretch the floor um, to a lesser extent, obviously. Um, but they can't play, you know, much defense at all. So, um, you know, you, you hope something's in the works because they do still need a power forward. Uh, and then you, you look if like somebody were to get hurt at that position, it's like, you're just in a world of hurt at that, you know, at, at that spot. So like who, who's going to play there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think every Timberwolves fans like hoping that would happen, but I don't know how likely it is. Kyle, were you there when, um, Tibbs was, was president and coach? I was, yep. Yeah, so uh, Chip and I, you know, we'd be remiss if we if we didn't ask you about this. But you brought up John Krasinski as well, and I actually thought he wrote an amazing article in the Athletic yeah. about Thibodeau and really, you know, um, talking about some of the areas where you know he he felt that he can be strong in, and obviously his shortcomings as well. I guess the end, the summation of his article really came down to like if Tibbs is if Tibbs has the capability of change. Um, if there's any likelihood of that to happen, it might be because Leon Rose, his his CAA friend, is there, and it might be the only one that can keep him in check. Um, with that said, being around Tibbs as much as you were, um, you know there were words thrown around like toxic environment, um, all of this. Like, what based on any interactions that you had with him? while also within the context of knowing like what went on behind the scenes, the, the back and forth between, you know, him and players and stuff like that. What was your experience covering him like? And when it comes to not playing young players 40 minutes a game or, you know, uh, implementing antiquated defensive schemes or whatever perception is there of him, do you think there's a possibility that he can change? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, okay, first off, like, like, I think Timberwolves fans, they, they forget that when Jimmy Butler, before he had that knee injury, I think he tore his meniscus against Houston, um, the Wolves were third place in the West. They, I think they closed out the season like 11 and 13 without him, and they went down to the A seed. Um, so, like, the Wolves could have been the ace or the third seed in the playoffs that year had Jimmy not get hurt. So it's not like, you know, was, was it not a very enjoyable team to be around? No. Like, I think all of us were like, oh my gosh, the Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs. This is going to be a fun team to be around. It was horrible. It was not fun. Um, was it toxic? I, I don't, I, I don't know about that. Um, it just like, wasn't fun. You always felt like there was like so much stress going on, <laughs> okay. you know? And, you know, we got spoiled because, you know, Flip Saunders was, was the head coach when I was there and um, Sam Mitchell later and like those guys were always just joking around with media members and talking. And um, like my favorite Sam Mitchell thing ever is if you asked uh, too serious of a question that he didn't like, he would just be like, 
man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you all the secrets, but then if you, <laughs> but if they asked him a softball question, he'd always say, come on, Kyle, you're better than that. You know, that answer. And it's like, what? Like you can't, you can't have it either way. Um, you know, like I, I will, I don't know if Tibbs can change. Um, you, you like the, the, that was the whole thing when he went to Minnesota was like, he went on this like sabbatical where he went to like the Warriors and the Spurs and he went to all these teams and he learned all this stuff. And then it turned out like he was trying to still play Luol Dang like 36 minutes a game. Right. So you're like, well, spoiler alert, he didn't learn that much. Um, <laughs> so I quick tip story for you. Uh, he gets hired and we're in Chicago for the combine and we're supposed, I'm supposed to do this interview with them. And I introduce myself and I, I say, Hey Tom, um, I'm Kyle. And he goes, Hey Kyle, how you doing? And I said, okay, I'm supposed to interview you. Uh, is that cool? He goes, yep. Uh, give me, um, let's do it first thing tomorrow morning. I have dinner plans tonight. Okay. I said, no problem. So I text, uh, our PR guy or, you know, with, with the Timberwolves. And I said, Hey, uh, Tibbs said tomorrow morning works. He has dinner tonight. And he goes, um, that's too bad because he flies out tomorrow morning at 6am or whatever. Wow. <laughs> and our, our video guy that was with me, he goes, damn Kyle. He goes, you got Tibbs. You got Tibbs. <laughs> So that's like my tip story. Is, is that going to be a tips? thing in New York, Chip? Are we are we going to have to hear that? Our guys think it's Mark Berman. Yeah, is Macri and Mark Berman going to get tips? Yeah, you, you, like just you think you have the scoop, and then you you let him off, and wow, there he is uh, flying back to Minneapolis. But uh, long story short, Tibbs is not a bad guy. He's a good guy. He jokes around a lot. Does he take basketball too serious? Probably. Um, You'll know you're in trouble if the Knicks sign Luol Deng, and you, you know that something's not quite right. Something's gone awry. You yeah. know the <laughs> the ship has uh, has gone yeah. the wrong way for sure. That's crazy. Um, I mean, to what extent do you feel like he just? I mean, this is kind of a tired old question that we talk about in Knicks Twitter, but like, to what extent do you feel like it was just too much responsibility? The dual roles of president of basketball operations and coach as well. That's at least what people who were fans of the hire, and I, and I'll, I'll, you know, I was a pretty big fan of the hire, um, but that also could be within the context of we had David Fisdale who literally imparted no structure in the team at all, and now we're going to the complete opposite end. Um, so, you know, to what extent do you feel like that was, um, you know, maybe a hindrance for him, or or maybe could have benefited him to just have one role and and probably the coach role as opposed to Pobo. Yeah, that's tricky because I think um, I think he would have to have such a good relationship with the with the president of basketball operations. Um, like maybe you guys have it in New York. Like maybe maybe that's it. But I'm trying to think of like if that position was held by I, I don't even know. Um, you know, somebody that that Tibbs obviously didn't pick. Like I, I just wonder how much back and forth there'd be. Like and how much you'd see it similar to Chicago. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, yes, I would think it would work out better if he was just the coach, but I don't know if Tibbs would be happy with that. And I think it ultimately would have destructed anyways, um, similar to how it did in Chicago. And, you know, T Tibbs, the GM, like he wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, you look at that Butler trade and obviously if the Wolves were able to keep Butler, um, you know, that would have been one thing, but like, is Levine an all-star? Like, probably not. Um, Markinen's a nice piece. And, you know, Chris Dunn, it, it seems like he's pr 
you know, I can think it's safe to say that he's a bust. Um, and then, you know, for the Butler trade, he got Covington and, and Sarich back, which at the time were, were thought of as good pieces. Um, and he drafted Josh Akogi. So, uh, you know, it, it's tricky because like, yes, he would have been better. It's just the coach. Um, but I don't think, I think he always would would have wanted more. So I, I think it would have blown up anyways. Jeff, Jeff T contract was pretty bad though. That was really That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Man, I'll tell you this. And I did Jeff T, did he just sign with the Celtics? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Like what in the world? Um, I didn't, I didn't see the contract or anything, but I'll tell you this again. I don't, I didn't, I don't know Jeff T on a personal level, but I don't, I can't think of a more frustrating point guard to watch than Jeff Teague, like trying to, th- trying to throw about like his uh, passes in the post were brutal. His shot selection. Um, he was like, there was a time during his first or second year where he was like trying to get Tyus Jones more playing time. And it was the weirdest thing. Like he was trying to take himself out and it was like, well, I think for fans, like, please do that because he was a, he was a frustrating guy to watch. Um, but you're right because he basically traded Rubio for Teague, um, you know, in a weird way. And he ended up getting Josh Akogi out of the deal too. Cause they traded Rubio for a first round pick and then signed Teague. But yeah, three years for 59 or whatever. And like, eh, yuck. Yeah. Yeah. What happened there with him and Rubio? Cause it seemed like he was ready to give up on Rubio awfully quick. Did he just want to move on to his own point guard or. I think he just want well. And the, another Tibbs thing is like if he ever coached against you and you had a good game, like you were the guy. Because like during his press conference for Jeff Teague, he kept like rambling about like Game Six from like 2014 and how <laughs> Jeff Teague was like so good. And it was like, dude, it's like I, that's great. I'm sure he had a very good game. Um, but yeah, so that was his thing. Like he's signing all those guys like, Oh, this, and that's what he'd mentioned. Like back in 2014, he was really good. It's like, Oh, great. Um, it's not 2014 anymore. Uh, the Rubio thing was, was probably pretty short sighted, but the, like the thing is, and, and it's no fault of Ricky's, but he is such a, uh, you know, like he's either like, it, it feels like you love him or you hate him. You're like, okay, he moves the ball around. Um, he's very smart. But then it's like, but he can't shoot and he's not going to be able to figure that out. And I think like, that's like the one thing with Ricky, like he's not going to turn into a good shooter. And it's like, you have to like live with, you know, live with whatever, but obviously it feels like uh, he probably made a mistake there. The team would have been better with Ricky. Kyle, do you, um, I, it just going really quickly back to, uh, Jared Culver. I, I liked him coming out of college. Uh, it is interesting, you know, as you mentioned before that, the T-Wolves traded up to get him, and like you said, essentially after year one, it seems like they're ready to give up. Um, I mean, what can they even get for him at this point? I, I just feel like, you know, to have a top six pick essentially not figure into your rotation at all after year one, um, and I guess the way that Rosas and, and company could spin it is like, well, we, we got the number one pick, and this is just an, an asset that we obviously have to prioritize more. Um, which, you know, I guess can make sense, but Culver, I mean, from a skill set standpoint, does a lot of things that you think would be at least useful, like within the rotation, not as a starting three uh, and, and, you know, his shooting has, has got a long ways to go, but a lot of things you saw at Texas Tech, whether it was from the defense or the playmaking, um, just positioning, uh, help defense, things like that, like, 
you know, is, is there a way to kind of like rehabilitate his talent, whether it's in the G league or, and, and figure out what you can get from him or. Yeah. I think that if you were going to trade him, you almost needed to trade him on draft night. Um, Cause it feels like everybody has just like a hundred times more value on draft night for whatever reason. <clears throat> um, like you could trade like a 20, 30 second round pick and everybody's like, Whoa, could be, could be valuable. Um, and, and like, that's the thing. Cause like Jarrett, his defense, like he is really good on defense and he's super smart. He understands like he's the king of the, uh, like guys on a fast break and he knows he's going to kick it out and he just follows, you know, kind of, kind of trails that ball and he, he can steal it. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I would keep him and I would try to figure it out and, uh, just, you know, player development, player development, player development. And for a team that needs defensive players, like him and Josh Kogi are like really the only, okay wing defenders so um you know you, you almost have to keep them but then but then you look at the depth chart and you say okay uh you have uh you know rubio and, and russell and beasley and edwards and a kogi so it's like okay where does he fit in i don't know if they're gonna bring uh jordan mclaughlin back on on a, on a two-way contract it, it feels like mclaughlin's probably better than that and he'll get a um a guaranteed contract somewhere else as a third point guard but you just kind of think like where does he fit in and you have the right there that's five players above him um and obviously you know you can you can play him at the two or the three so i think he's probably going to play more than we think he will but i mean for a number six pick it's not ideal to play 12 to to 14 minutes a night and and, you know have him have him dnp but yeah i i I actually agree with you i think the, the play is to keep him and you know, you, you just say, okay, like he's not going to be a franchise player. He's not going to be a star and that's fine. Um, a lot of number six picks aren't. And sometimes just getting a rotational guy is like, okay. Um, you know, and a lot of times we just give up on these guys when they're 23 and 24 and then five years later they figure it out. And like, it's, it's funny to me, like how many guys are just like so highly coveted. Um, and obviously with the, with the, the way the game goes, but like Luke Kennard is first like two or three years like nobody wanted the guy right and now everybody wants him. like joe harris was in cleveland and he was like okay he's a really good shooter you know he just signed a 71 million dollar contract um you know obviously different skill sets but uh it doesn't mean a player doesn't have any value so hopefully Jarrett does get there i I agree um that true shooting is brutal though it is my goodness yeah yeah i mean it's yeah it's lower than rj's yeah, form's not good. He's got like that little like chicken wing out to the side. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not good. Um, I remember like watching his first workout or uh, yeah, his first workout with the team in summer league, and they open it to the media, and we're all like, okay, we we'll get to see him. And um, I don't know if it was like first practice jitters, but um, it, it wasn't great. And but again, I don't want to like he, he's just a kid. Like he, he'll he'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, way too early. Yeah. Way too early. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Well, remember, wasn't there also, and I remember I I kind of like joked on this at the time, it had nothing to do with Jarrett, but I thought because RJ Barrett was getting such a negative press after his summer league, I thought for me, I mean, remember they essentially held Jarrett out because they were like wanting him to get used to the playbook. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. Um, Do you think that was because, Kyle, do you think that was because he had such a bad workout and he seemed like deer in headlights that they're like, listen, we got to get this kid like like eased into it because he looks like he's about to freak. Yeah, so I I think a little bit of both. So if you guys remember right, that trade 
didn't actually like go through until July 6th for whatever oh, reason. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So he actually wasn't even with the he wasn't even able to be with the team in like, until July 6th, which was like two days into summer league. Right. Um. So I think it was a little bit of both. I think like if they thought that he was ready to just like throw him in a summer league game, which literally guys switch teams all the time in summer league. Like you don't have to be used to a playbook. You generally just get thrown in. Right. Um, I think they would have played him. Um, but I think it was probably the combination of like, he doesn't know his teammates, blah, blah, blah. And then you just don't want him, you know, to you know, lose confidence over meaningless games in summer league. Um, so, I mean, I remember watching like Chris Dunn's first game in summer league and he scored like 28 points and I legitimately, I'm like, this guy's like the next Isaiah Thomas. Um, <laughs> like I'm like trying to buy his carbs on eBay. I'm like, we got to go all in on this yeah. guy. He's going to be so good. And then it turns out he's just, just like not good um, at all. And they, people were trying to, and hope, like, again, young kid, hopefully he figures it out too. Um, it doesn't seem like he will offensively at all, but there is a, a place in the league for a really good point guard defender. Um, yeah, we're yeah, hoping we're hoping that works out with Frank Nilakina. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Frankie Smokes holding out for for another four years. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, I was going to ask you. We were talking about kind of roster construction. Uh, the 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 Wolves are over the cap. I don't know how close they are to the luxury tax, but I think they still have the mid level exception and the biannual exception available do you uh expect them to use that i know they have a ton of players on the roster and one of the reasons they traded spellman and evans away was to you know to just get under a certain mark but do you expect them to use that at all or um i would think that they would um if they can because i don't think they're probably done making moves they might yeah. make some more but i think rosas is trying to use everything he can um you know, and, and like Glenn Taylor, like they're rumored to sell the team for like, I think the, the price is now like $1.5 billion. Um, so I don't think for him, like money's an issue. And um, I, I do think like it sounds, it, it might sound silly to outsiders to, to go into the luxury, um, you know, for a team that might not make the playoffs. And I, I think the Vegas odds would play, would say they probably won't make the playoffs um, and going into the luxury. But like, basically it's just so Carl and D'Angelo feel loved um you know is that worth 40 or 50 million um like maybe i guess i don't know for a franchise that hasn't won you know at all the answer is probably yeah so um you know especially with rosas and, and you know and ryan saunders I, th I think um you know he's got to prove himself this year too um you know as, as a coach so i have to figure all that stuff out so yeah i think they probably will do everything they can um it, it reminds me to a lesser extent of when um Anthony Davis was in New Orleans and they, they made such wonky moves all the time where he, like Davis was like 22 and they surrounded him with like 10 guys that were 35. So they could like win now. Um, this team's doing it the right way, but that's like the mentality. I think the Timberwolves have is like, they're just like, we need to get as much talent as we can around these guys so they can win. And then, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And New Orleans just had one GM in there the whole time, I think doing a terrible job. I think yeah. it was Del Demps in there Del the Demps. entire time. Yeah, yeah, the dude lasted like 15 years. And like <laughs> some of those moves, you're like, what is, what's happening? And then they get the yeah. number one pick to, to take Zion, and they fired him um, right before <laughs> right before the draft. Wow. So it's like they did all this work to get the number one pick, and then, uh, yeah, he doesn't get to see a payoff. Yeah, David Griffin, the good luck charm. Yeah. For number one picks. Um, 
So you mentioned Ryan Saunders, and this is going to be Cat's sixth year and not making the playoffs again. I I don't really know too much about Ryan Saunders, and you obviously know a lot about him. So uh, the only thing I do know about him is obviously who his father is, and he's close with Cat. So what's your take on him as a head coach? Yeah, um, the, like Ryan's strength as a coach is – player development, um, and, and player relationships, which is not a secret. Um, you know, obviously I think all the players vouched for him after Tibbs was, was fired. Um, somewhat surprisingly, the team was 500 when Tibbs got fired. It was right. It was, it happened right after a win over the Lakers. Yeah. Didn't they go like, I I forget. They won like eight out of 10 games or something like that. I forget. Yeah. It was, it was was almost like one of those things where they, you know, they circled the date on when he was going to get fired and it didn't really matter what he did. Um, you know, and, and the, the thing is, like, are, does, does Ryan have shortcomings? Um, you know, maybe, but I think right now, like, his biggest shortcoming is probably just, like, not enough experience because he's, I think he's 33 or 34 years old. He's super like, that's young. Su- super young. Wow. Um, but, you know, the, the positive is that, and I think in today's NBA, that means quite a bit is that he is there for his players. Um, and, and, you know, and something that's going to be talked a lot about this year, and not, not to get like all doom and gloom here, but um, you know, obviously Ryan lost his dad at a super young age, like way too soon. Um, Ricky Rubio lost his mom uh, two, two or three years ago. And, you know, Carl this year. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, and, and people say all the time, well, just because you're friends or just because um, you know, a, you're a good guy doesn't necessarily mean it's like a good fit for a team, but like, you guys know this, like, you know, a locker room, especially in the NBA, if you don't get along um, or if you guys don't have some sort of, um, you know, common goal or, you know, whatever it is, it, it's hard to, to win. And I think those three, obviously, they have a, a relationship prior with with Carl and Ryan and, and um, Ricky played with Carl, you know, as well, um, and, you know, and Flip. But I, I just think that's something to watch for. And I think it is important that all three of those guys are kind of connected um, you know, in, in an unfortunate way. And, um, you know, so, you know, my long answer to, to a relatively what, what could have been shorter though, um, is that like the players know Ryan has their back, right? And he's a guy that's going to do anything where I think w- with Tibbs, it was kind of the opposite approach of Ryan wanted to know why something wasn't working, where Tibbs was going to yell at you until you figured out what wasn't working. Right. 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 So, um, yeah, I mean, Hopefully, hopefully Ryan does well. Um, you know, if, if, if it doesn't work out in Minnesota, I think he'll certainly get an opportunity somewhere else down the line. Would you say, um, would you say that if they don't make the playoffs this year, um, if you had to bet, would you think it's Ryan's last year coaching the team or I, I'm not sure how long his deal is or do you, how much longer do you think he would get? It's, it was one of those weird, uh, reported as like the multi-year contract, which, generally ends up being a two-year deal okay um but you know i hate to say it because like ryan is such a good guy yeah and, like, he's, i mean anytime but, i I remember yeah. i heard him on the low post and like just sounded like a yeah, awesome yeah. awesome is. dude like but, but I clearly do think a basketball he, lifer too like i mean he is yeah and and i mean like i remember like he's he's still really close with uh like bradley beal and john wall from their days in washington and like he was like an assistant with them when he was like 26 right um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, I would guess if, if they don't make the playoffs or at least make it to that play in, um, you know, the, the top 10, 
I would think that he's probably gone simply because I think as a, as an organization that hasn't been good and you have all this talent right now, I think there needs to be somebody that has to answer for it. Um, and I think it's easier for a GM not to take that blame because you can just make moves and look busy and whether they work or not, you can be like, well, I'm doing my job. Uh, so yeah, I, I would hate if that happened, but right. I, I would say that that's, that's probably what would happen. And sticking with that, if they miss the playoffs again, what do you think the implications would be with uh, Towns? Like, do, how do you think he'll react to that? Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, it's one of the two where, like we talked about before, where if they don't make the playoffs and it's because other players on the team didn't perform, I think that you're probably going to hear more rumblings mm-hmm. that Carl wants out and probably D'Angelo is going to follow right behind him because I, I don't see one staying without the other one staying. Um, but then you look at it from the other lens. And if you say, okay, if, if, if uh, Russell is averaging 24 points and eight assists per game and he's shooting 40% and, and Rubio's getting nine and nine off the bench or, you know, whatever it is. And Beasley's like 18 points a game. And, and he's Rick reminds you of what he did last year. And uh, you see natural growth from a Kogi and, and, and somebody like uh, Culver and, uh, and then you say Edwards is like a fine rookie. Like he makes the all rookie first or second team. And then you look at Carl and you have to say like, like if the reason they don't make the playoffs is significantly due to Carl and the fact that he can't be like the one, a star, I mean, Carl can be mad and he can want to leave, but like, that's a direct implication on you, not necessarily the team. Um, so, and, and I've, I've said this from the beginning and, like Carl is obviously a great talent and D'Angelo is a good player, but like in no other market would you be like, okay, we got our two stars. Right. Um, right. In, in Minnesota, they are the two stars because we don't get stars very often, but in no other market are those like the two heads of your like three headed monster. Um, you know, it, like in a championship team, Russell's probably your fourth best player and, and Towns is probably your second. So um Hopefully they both make leaps this year, and hopefully I'm wrong. But uh, that, that, that that'd be my guess. But it's interesting. And the West is hard, and the West is hard. hard. Like you mentioned, Anthony Davis before, like he he smashed his head against the wall for years in New Orleans trying to make the playoffs, and he's one of the five best players in the league, and he just couldn't do it. Yeah. So it's it's going to be hard. And look at the West. Like who? Like Oklahoma City's right. That's like the logical team to fall out. Um, but like you know, even without Drew Holiday, it seems like New Orleans might take a step um, forward. Golden I, I, State too. Golden State is obviously going to be better even without Clay. And how, how bad does that stink? Oh um, my God. That's like the worst story. Like seeing that on draft night, you hoped it was just some sort of um, like smoke from the Warriors about the draft or something. And it turns out to be just horrible news. Um, oh. But Phoenix is going to be better, um, you know, and then the teams in the playoffs Portland, are going to be Portland so much as better. Well. Yeah. Portland, Memphis, uh, yeah, so you just go like, okay, where do the Wolves fit in? It's like, like even if they're the 12th seed, you might not even be the, a bad team, but you might just like, that might be what it is. So, yeah, it's a bloodbath. Yeah, they'd probably be a playoff team in the East. Yeah, we, we say that about a lot of teams, but they probably would be. They would be, yeah, I agree. It, it's funny because the more and more we're talking about the possibility of Carl Anthony Towns and D'Lo leaving, I actually think maybe the Anthony Edwards pick makes more sense because maybe that is some type of insurance for the fact that, well, if one leaves, it's probably going to be both of them. And we don't want to be left without at least someone who has the ceiling 
of somebody who could be a, a 1A or a, or a 2 or something like that. Um, so maybe that also factored into some of their thinking uh, pre-draft. No, you're right. And um, the one thing the Wolves have done such a good job of w- with the Rosas, and it was like the opposite from the Tibbs, where like Tibbs, and it's funny because my guy was always Marcus George's hunt. I always thought he deserved more playing time for some reason. And he's not in the league now, so like I was clearly wrong. Um, but like, he was playing like, the Waldang and Anthony Tolliver and like all these guys, all these big minutes. And I was like, well, give the, a young guy a chance. The The Wolves have actually done a pretty good job of, you look at somebody like Jordan McLaughlin, who I think could be a backup point guard, um, Nas Reed, like some of these like fringe right. roster guys, they've done a good job of putting those guys together. So um, yeah, you know, and, and playing those guys and like instilling confidence in them. So I, I think Edwards is going to get every opportunity. And I think you're right. Um, it's just like, will he be a star? You know, we'll see. Awesome. Chip, uh, before we let Kyle go, do you have anything, um, else for him? I think, um, I think I'm tapped out on my, my Wolves questions. I just wanted to ask Kyle, uh, you kind of alluded to it earlier, Jeff, but we just made a trade. The Knicks just made a trade with the T-Wolves. We, uh, traded Ed Davis and the guy we picked up, uh, I think we got Jacob Evans too, but I don't think they're going to be keeping him around but we got omari spellman who we are going to be keeping around from everything i've been reading so i wanted to ask you what your take was on omari spellman it didn't seem like uh, omari was very happy in minnesota mm. for whatever reason um like all the reports were that he wanted to go somewhere we had more of an opportunity to play maybe um and i don't even think he was active maybe for a game or two with the timberwolves but i, I don't know if he was um I don't have a great read on, on him. I was excited. Um, I liked his skill set as, um, you know, a big guy that could shoot, um, you know, and obviously there's some red flags. Like it, it didn't seem like last year I, I saw him in summer league actually play a game and like, he did not look like he was in shape at all. Yeah. Um, so you, you worry about guys like that. And, you know, if he did have an, have an attitude issue last year and for a team that likes good talent, good and young talent, like you'd think the Timberwolves would have held on to somebody like that if they thought there was something. Um, but you know, like maybe you go to New York and you're with, you know, younger guys and you see more of an opportunity to play and, you know, maybe he turns it around. So his skill set is certainly intriguing. Um, and if you weren't going to get Ed Davis in the first place, um, you know, it's like you could do far worse, you know, uh, than getting two former first round picks. Is what do you think of Jacob Evans too? Just, I, like again, I'm just telling you guys all the times I've been wrong. I thought Jacob Evans was going to be so good out of Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, like just as like this wing defender, and then he got drafted by Golden State, and I was like, of course he did. Like they're going to be so good, and then he just never plays. Um, you know, I, I think he like he's one of those guys. He 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 reminds me a little bit of um, not as good of a, th- a three point shooter, but like similar in like in my mind, I thought they were going to be really good. And uh, Justin Anderson. Oh, from Virginia? Uh, yeah, I thought yeah. he was going to be like a, this really good wing defender that even if he wasn't great offensively, he could just like run and make stuff happen. Yeah, he was moments. so good in college. Justin. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he didn't work out, obviously. Jacob Evans didn't either. And um, those those late first-round picks, man, like it's it's just so hard. And that's, that's why it's <clears> so funny to me when they're like, oh, this, this team has traded away their next four first-round picks for X player. And it's like, well, if you're drafting 20 to 30, like 
it honestly doesn't really matter. Like you can get that guy early in the second round. It, it seems like too. Um, but yeah, like I said, like they were drafted in the, in the first round for a reason. So maybe if you grab enough lottery tickets, one of them, one of them will work out. I think that's the plan right now. Yeah. Get as many picks as possible. That's it. Just, uh, just, just build up uh, the chest as much as you can swing for something when it becomes available. I think that's probably it. Um, but listen, Kyle, the, uh, the Timberwolves are, are definitely an interesting story going forward. I think everyone is going to be, uh, I think T wolves fans specifically are going to be really interested to see how the guard, how minutes are allocated within the, the, the guard rotation. I mean, between Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, D'Lo, Rubio, uh, I'm very interested to see who starts, who comes off the bench and just how that kind of works out throughout the season. Um, and obviously how cat develops and, and whether what you said is, is going to be correct again with those, you know, uh, the 10 games of good defense articles coming out, you know, lauding him and whatnot. And then maybe he'll just kind of relax again. But, um, the T-Wolves have always been an interesting franchise for me. I was a big Kevin Garnett guy growing up. So I've always kind of followed them from the side, um, as a team that I always kind of want to do well. Um, you know, but it'll, it'll certainly, they're an interesting team going forward for sure. A, a league packs team. Definitely for sure. Wait, Jeff, Jeff, we have to ask him about Wally Zerbiak. Yes. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Totally... We can't, we cannot end this podcast without ending, um, ending a, a question about Wally Zerbiak. Um, Chip, you, you, you go for it. No, Wally is obviously he covers the Knicks now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he works the halftime pregame stuff and he's, was a T he played for the T Wolves and he's always talking about his days playing for the T Wolves. He brings up Kevin Garnett stories. Yeah, on the he's air. got some good Garnett stories for sure. Yes. So, what did T Wolves fans think of Wally Zerbiak? So, I, I have two things f- with Wally. Um, I actually interviewed him. It was right before the draft this last year. But my first is that the Timberwolves don't have. Oh, did I get? No, you're here. No, you're good. Did I, I must have froze there for a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, he's on like their Mount Rushmore because like he has to be because like there's not like very many. Like it's like if Mount Rushmore is all rocks, Wally has like a plastic rock that's like on wheels <laughs> so they can like wheel it in and out like in case somebody else comes along. Yeah. Um, but so like the funny thing about Wally's draft um I, I think he went fourth to Minnesota. I, I forget who went first that year. You guys might have to look that up, but I forget who went first. It was it must have been 1999. But he talked about how um, uh, he went out to eat with uh, the uh, the Chicago Bulls, and they promised him that he was going to get drafted uh, first overall, and then El- he didn't. Elton Brand got drafted first. Okay. Yeah. So he thought that he was going to get picked. They indicated that he was going to, and then he said that he was kind of disappointed because he wasn't the first pick, which is crazy to me that we live in a world where Wally Zerbiak could have been the number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to him. He had a fine career, but that seemed wild to me. Yeah. When did he tell you this? He told you this last year? This was in, uh, must've been like April, April or May. I don't know if he used the word the, the guaranteed, but I think that they strongly implied yeah. that he was going to be the number one pick, and then he, you know, he wasn't. So, interestingly none enough, of, so I just none looked of it this up surprises now. me. Um, 
Stevie Francis was the second overall pick. Baron Davis went third to the Hornets. Lamar Odom fourth to the Clippers, and then Wally. Uh, interesting. Well, I don't, they like skipped the fifth pick on Wikipedia, but Jonathan uh, Bender went fifth. Oh wow! Actually, former Nick who uh, who came from us from Indiana, I think he he played like he had like a cup of coffee with us. But um, yeah. yeah, man. It, so is I kind of like Wally just because he is such a Nick diehard like. The way he covers his team, like it, it, at least from the way he presents himself, it seems like he bleeds blue and orange. Um, mm-hmm. Like he wants us to do really well, but he's got some wild takes uh, sometimes. And and I'm just sitting there, and I'm kind of like, okay, all right. He's an over the top homer, big time, be, big time. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, we, we, he did some stuff for the, the Timberwolves last year, and he was like talking about. Um, he he was he was talking about like some like. The, the Western Conference Finals run and like some of his stories didn't always check out. <laughs> I, like, what are you gonna say? Like, you're just like, okay, sure, you thought that happened. It's like, but the enthusiasm is there, though. You know, like he seems very excited about it. And very then you're like, excited. Wait, that, like that didn't happen. Oh man, <laughs> I think you're lying. Oh god. Oh Wally. Um, I think that's a great place to end. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. This is a really good conversation. Um, before we let you go, if you could please let, you know, the people listening know where they can find you on Twitter, if there's anything that you're working on now and you want to promote, please do so. Yeah. Uh, Twitter at Kyle underscore Radke. Um, I lost about like 500 followers. So rule to everybody. Don't tweet about the election, no matter what side you're on, because <laughs> you, you will lose Twitter followers. Um, yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I'm actually writing something right now. I'm, I'm writing grades on all the Timberwolves moves up to this point. Um, and it's going to be, it's on zonecoverage.com um, where you can read my stuff. But yeah, that, that should be done. I think I'm like 1500 words down and I'm trying to, trying to power through it. Awesome, man. Well, definitely when that comes out, uh, we will be sure to read it for sure. You gained two followers tonight uh, in, in Chip and I. So yes. Yes. Great news. Uh, we're, we're with you for sure. I uh, definitely appreciate you taking the time uh, for sure. Uh, and, um, you know, for everyone listening, uh, we hope everybody is staying safe and we'll talk to you guys.